everyone and welcome to our Gem Pursuit. I'm your host Matthew Weldon and as always I'm joined by my trusty co-host Elise Ketcher. Elise good morning. Good morning everybody. And of course our producer Ross Hannon. Today we are going to do a bonus episode about the history of Courtville. Elise what are we going to talk about today? Recently Kitten Catherine Pierce has passed away at the age of 101, one of our founding members of Courtville. And we just wanted to take the time to go over the past of Courtville and then, of course, talk about where Courtville is going to be going in the future. And we were very lucky that Arthur Pierce, uh, Kittens, and Catherine's son uh, took an, uh, almost two hours out of his evening yesterday to talk me through some of the history of Courtville. Uh, thank you very much, Arthur. Looking forward to getting stuck into this. Today, we are going to talk about something different. And I think it's a good time to actually bring up this area, at least, because um, unfortunately, uh, Catherine Pierce, who founded Courtville, passed away recently. Uh, at a fine age of 101, which is quite incredible because, um, you know... She became an antique herself. She did, yeah, she did. She got a letter from the president, as you do in Ireland, if you reach the century. Um, But I was thinking about this. Today it's 2021, so if you were born uh, 101 years ago, it would have been 1920, which means you would have been 18 in 1938 when there was like Art Deco jewellery coming out. So you would have been walking down the new shops and the new jewellery would have been the, t- the really desirable Art Deco jewellery that we're looking for today. And I wonder what people were looking at then. Did they realise how timeless it would have been? And which jewellery shops today are we walking past that are going to be the same iconic looks in, you know, 80 years time? Well, definitely Courtville will be one of them. Well, our jewelry, <laughs> our jewelry will be two hundred years old then, exactly. or more, maybe. Um, uh, no, I think it's. I I do think it's very timely um, that we talk about Courtville in our bonus episode uh, for this series, just because um, number one we have we have Catherine, known affectionately as Kitten. Um, who has just passed away and also uh, Courtville in Powers Court Town Centre has just turned 40. So we're kind of bringing the, the two together and kind of doing an episode that talks about our past, uh, the people that we stand on the shoulders of um, with their expertise and also then what, Courtville is going to look like in the future mm. and there's two two ways that we kind of looked into this and number one um Grania who who uh, ran Courtville for many years she always claimed to be not digitally native or you know uh, adept on the internet but when I was uh, looking up Courtville antiques on the internet every single directory that you could think of had a paragraph written from Grania Every single one, ones I didn't even know existed. And I had a lot of good information there, but I was very lucky um, yesterday evening. I had a great chat with Arthur Pierce, who is Kitten's son, uh, Grania's brother. Uh, and I we just had a great old chat about different stories, how the business got started, uh, how it kind of progressed. 
um, and just kind of what life was like growing up in an antiques household, which is lucky that I've something I've experienced myself. And he gave me some great stories, which which we'll touch on just to kind of give you a, a flavor of the how the spirit of the shop kind of came to be what it is. So this really interests me because Kitten herself, I have, I never met, but I had a lot of uh, clients who come in who have personally met Kitten and also who have great relationship with Gronya, but I personally never met them. So I know a lot about them, but having never met them, it feels really strange to know so much about two people that you never actually met. But I don't know a lot about Kitten's past, Matthew. So how did she actually come to into the antiques trade or get an interest in antiques at all? Well, it, it was in the family uh, before Kitten. Kitten's grandmother was very into antiques and would have gone up and down the country to all the different house sales and these beautiful old house sales that really you don't get that often anymore um like ireland in the in the you know 50s 60s 70s uh, and even before they had these beautiful country houses which would have been full of antiques you know georgian pieces victorian pieces which wouldn't have been antique at that stage uh well the late victorian stuff wouldn't have been but you know it would have been quite common to have a you know a clearance of one of these beautiful old houses you know which still today the odd one pops up um and but great it's definitely not like it was no. back then i mean no. um in terms of antiques as well like it's important when you say oh you know that the late victorian still wouldn't have been considered antique but you know even 10 years ago art deco still or even now some of the art deco pieces are, are still not considered antique but they're treated in the same kind of respect as something that was either Edwardian or yes. Victorian because they have the same quality and craftsmanship that you see in those periods. Yes, and that's kind of one of the features we look obviously for age, but that quality and, and kind of uniqueness to those pieces. But so Kit, Kitten anyway, getting back to Kitten on her travels, she was going with her grandmother up and down the country to all of these um, different house sales and different auctions. And there was lots of more local auctions throughout the country as well. So that's how she got her taste of it. And she knew she really wanted to get into it. Now, Kitten had five children. Um, and I think all of them had an interest in antiques at some stage as well. Uh, Arthur certainly gave me some great stories about, you know, he kind of did a bit of dealing in furniture and porcelains and different things when he was a, a younger man. And obviously he, he did, uh, he got into a different line of business eventually. But Kitten had all the, the children at home. And in order to look after the children, she had to get somewhere to run the antiques as well. So she could, you know, look after the, the children and the antiques at the same time. <laughs> so what she did is in her garden, she got a little chalet, uh, which was apparently about 20 feet by 15 feet, which metrically I think is probably uh, maybe five meters by uh three or so something well, like well i think we know from um our gem trivial pursuit that you're better at giving measurements than i am <laughs> yeah so you know it'd be a, good, a decent sized room let's say um and but, but okay so we have this chalet in the in the in the garden in the back of the house there's a few things that i would be really worried about with something like that is number one is security um for antiques 
But number two is like, what was going on inside the chalet? Like, do we have furniture in there or do we have like jewelry in there? And who comes to visit and how do they know about her expertise? This is, and Arthur gave me a great description of this. And again, just like Grania, I think Kitten or Catherine was, was a, shrewd marketer and used to advertise in the local papers around Tipperary and around the the area and to get people into into the chalet but don't forget word of mouth was probably a key thing I'd say as well um just like today I mean sure look we have Instagram we have TikTok we have the podcast you know we advertise in different magazines and things but for me anyway at least I think word of mouth is still (laughs) number one um reputation reputation so she got a reputation for herself around tipperary yes. for dealing in antiques yes and come back to what she said about what was in the chalet she did a bit of everything um and she had some really uh quite well-known clients which i can talk about in, in a few moments as well but she did a bit of everything and she kind of knew if she got something who it would be for but what was in the chalet and i think this is really cool because we actually had one of them in this shop up until very recently her grandfather or father was actually a chemist and i was getting the lineage of it and i think it was actually her grandfather was a chemist her father i believe was actually a chemist in uh tipperary town now the chemist in those days didn't really look like a chemist these days and i've seen this when i've been looking for jewelry cabinets the chemist back in the Victorian period, had beautiful old cabinets. Mahogany, glass, you know, brass trimmed as well in cases, but very, very beautiful. And apparently a lot of these cabinets, which was from that chemist, which was in Tipperary Town and it was called Darcy's Corner, um, a lot of these cabinets actually went into the chalet to display the different pieces that you would have had. And there was a tall, upright cabinet, like a rectangular and probably the height of a very tall person, maybe two meters ten, a very, very tall person. <laughs> Think Tyson Fury tall. Um, oh, gosh. That was, that was actually outside the shop here until very, very recently. And um, it still had the old keys and you had to open it. I remember because when I was here and when, when, when we took the reins here, uh, the, the Pierce family, uh, you know, I thought it was only appropriate that the, and, you know, the cabinet would go back into the family and, and it did, which is great. But uh, I do remember initially, at least when it was still here, trying to open it with the old keys. And it was always an adventure when you had to go out and open this cabinet because... So it was secure anyway. It, it was so secure that <laughs> not even we could open it most of the time. So, um, but anyway, that came from this Darcy's Corner, which is the chemist in Tipperary town in the 1870s, 1880s. Uh, and Arthur was also telling me that recently he he got from his mother actually kitten he got a book of the recipes that they would have had in this chemist because because and i don't know if this is related but do you know when you go into a chemist now and you ask for a pre-packed you know prescription you have to wait 15 minutes yeah or 20 minutes i can never understand why this is because as far as i can see they're on a they're on and there's probably a load of chemists now pulling their hair out saying there is a reason there is a reason and apologies but so we don't we're not chemists here people so yeah yeah. but apparently uh back in the victorian time they had to make up these recipes and uh arthur was telling me it was wasn't just for people it was if you had a 
uh, a bullock or a, or a sheep that was sick or had some problem with it, you'd go in and you'd order these recipes and they'd make them up for you, which is why you'd had this delay. Because they wouldn't have them made up because they'd go off or whatever. So they'd make them up. And uh, this booklet that he got that had these recipes, he said he showed it to a chemist friend of his today. And the chemist came and said it was one of the most interesting things they've ever seen. And he said a lot of the tablets that you buy today are just these recipes put in tablet form. And he says it was amazing how accurate most of them were. Um, and look, it was great to see that cabinet here uh, again. So, No, I think that's a, a great way that we can actually see with a family how everybody becomes involved in a business. You know, it's not just... You start off by yourself. You always have others who kind of contribute and help you to build the business in the way that it is today. And we know for sure that there's certain things that are part of Courtville today that are from the Pierce family, which is lovely um, and is rightfully so because, you know, Kitten and Gronya did put a lot into the business to make it what it is today. But one thing that I found really interesting, actually, is we have a kitten who is the matriarch of Courtville. The, you know, the, the roots of Courtville come from kitten. And, you know, Ireland in the, in the 1970s, even like earlier, 1960s, 1970s, we know that... Um, we know that Jimmy was starting off in the business uh, 20 years prior to that, but it was difficult for a woman to be in business in Ireland in those times. And I, you know, what did Arthur say about, say about her juggling family life and a very successful business um, at, in those times? Joe's not something we really specifically talked about actually, but you're right, it must have been very difficult. Um, but I suppose, perhaps in her wisdom, that's why she set up the chalet in the home that you could do both. You could go from one to the other and not be too disrupted. But um, it would seem to be a big family effort. Certainly they all got involved with it. And I think in the first Antiques Dealers Fair, which, which is a big part of Corfield as well, Corfield were always an exhibitor at the Irish Antique Dealers Fair. And in fact, we're one of the first members of the association too. But in 1966, it was the first show, which was in the Mansion House in Dublin. And at this stage, Corfield actually had a shop in Tipperary Town. So they had gone from, you know, from the chalet, from the chalet to the shop. They'd, they'd exhibited at this fair and, you know, apparently all of the children would have been up helping out at this particular fair you know lifting in all the different pieces and there is a photo somewhere and I, I i don't actually have a copy of it but i have a digital copy of it but uh of this first display and there's a beautiful old harp a lovely old harp on the courtfield stand paintings porcelains silvers you know little bits of jewelry you can just about make out but beautifully laid out stand and arthur said to me that you know all of the children would have been there helping out at this now we also did say so he, he would have been a young man at this stage. And he also said that there was quite a party after this in, uh, in Maxime's. He, uh, 
he had to think about the name he couldn't quite remember it but he sent me a text of it just before we started recording so he uh, apparently it was a great uh, <laughs> party well it's still very much like that when we go to fairs I think especially when we are able to kind of like meet with our peers as well um, because for us today we still do a lot of fairs around the country it's a great way for us to actually touch base with our clientele who can't make it up to Dublin um, and especially during the, the the COVID times and the restrictions that we've gone through, yes. fairs have become even more important to us today. But yeah, and we, yeah, you didn't miss them until they were gone sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But one thing that I found really, um, really interesting is that it's kind of like with the Pierce family, it became a torch um, that passed on from generation to generation because not a lot of people would have known that Kitten's grandmother was actually maybe the first one to spark an interest in antiques in the family that we know of. And then we move from Kitten, who was based in Tipperary. Um, we still have a huge clientele in Tipperary and we try our best to get down to care for the fair that's down there at least once a year so that we can touch base with them um but it then the torch kind of passes on or that flair for antiques passes on to uh kitten's daughter Gronia. and this is where the story takes like a turn because it's almost as if every generation we go from an interest and going and viewing things at fairs to then getting a garden chalet and ha having a shop and then exhibiting at fairs. And then we pass the torch on to Gronje Pierce and it becomes something more innovative. Yeah, Gronje got involved in the business um, probably initially in the 1970s and then really to the fore in, in the 80s. And I suppose Grania was a Grania had a very different upbringing. I'd imagine in that she she went to she went to school obviously, and then after after school she actually went to I think what they would have called in those days finishing school in Switzerland, uh, and then after that uh, did went to Trinity and did a fine arts and languages I think French mainly was the, the main language that she did and she always had a great interest in international jewelry you know French uh, Russian uh, you know continental European jewelry and that, that is one of the things if you if you actually go and look at uh, on you know type in Courtville into Google you will see an old uh, YouTube video of Gronya. And one thing that she specifically says is that she loves international jewellery. Yes. And it's funny because each of us, even today, like all of our um, staff members today, we all have very unique styles in yes. what we gravitate towards in terms of jewellery. And it's funny because even when pieces come in today... I know Gronje's style. Yes. Like I will go, that's that's a Gronje piece. I could look at the pieces that we have in stock today and I could I can tell you which ones that she purchased. Um, and when clients come in and they have pieces that they've purchased, I can tell that Gronje purchased those pieces. So 
Yeah, and that's funny. And then that, and then that actually rubs off on us because we begin to appreciate them. Yeah. And we still then buy bits and pieces that are, let's call it Grania's style because we've been influenced. And that's what I think is so amazing how someone's presence in a shop would transcend generations. Because uh, I know, for example, um, you know, in my dad's and brother's shop, my uncle was involved there uh, for many, many years and he has his own business. He does his own uh, business now somewhere else. But he he was always very concerned about the insurance. So we we're always very careful about, you know, our procedures and things. But even after he left, that that still stayed and we could tell that was his influence in the mm-hmm. shop and Grania's influence is very much still in the shop which would have been she would have got it from uh, Catherine and so the culture of that has maintained through generations which I think is so so cool and like as you said at least we're building on what was there already um which is and, and that culture takes time and everyone who would have come into the shop who knows uh, either Catherine or Grania uh, and all the Pierce's they, they all seem to have great respect for them and the way they dealt and did business. And one that popped up quite a bit, actually, is, is Johnny the Dentist in Tipperary Town. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've I, even heard of him yeah. as well. Anyone from Tipperary comes in, it's like, oh, yeah, the dentist, the dentist. I'm like, yeah, the dentist. I don't really know who the dentist is. I know that there is a dentist in, in Tipperary Town. And his name's Johnny. And his name is Johnny. And I also thought that there was a... Oh, yeah, you. there's a golfer. That's Arthur. That's Arthur's a golfer. A very, very uh, successful and well-known golfer. Um, Wait, so Grunia, she goes to finishing school. She goes to, uh, she goes to Trinity College to study languages and arts. What, how does it transform into the business that we know today, Matthew? And it did have a transformational effect. So Catherine would have done lots of different silver and ports and all sorts of things. Grania really grew an appreciation of jewellery on her her travels, basically. And let's not forget, after, uh, after she went to Trinity, where she had to get a special dispensation from the bishop to actually go to Trinity, because Trinity at that time was a Protestant university, and uh, for a Catholic to go, you needed to get permission, basically, from your bishop. But, I mean, this is not that long ago, which is a bit... I've, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard concept to get your head around now today, because now you just do your CAO, which is, like, your entrance thing to Trinity, and you just, and you just go. <laughs> well, this is one thing that I really, really want to kind of touch on in terms of Gronya, which I really, really appreciate about her, because I think it's a bit different when you're... A, a man and and you know you're in the in the trade because um the antiques trade is very male dominant even today it's male dominant which i find interesting because especially with jewelry the people who wear it are women predominantly women yeah. yes predominantly not yes. always but not always but predominantly yes but um historically when you think of antique jewelers or anybody who's involved in antiques you usually think of men like it's male dominated in a a dark suit with glasses (laughs) a three-piece suit with a pocket watch and an eye spectacle and a bit of a belly (laughs) but 
I really appreciate Gronia because she was a pioneer in many cases for women in the antique trade and very much so in Ireland. If you even if you look at the major dealers that were going that were available at the time when she first came into business, um, they were all men. And, and you know, I mean, some of the names from that time, there was John O'Reilly, uh, who would have been a big dealer. Louis, uh, Louis Wine, the wines of Grafton Street would have been big dealers. Um, you had uh, Jaime Danker. Dankers would have been big dealers at that time, too. The Weldons. Uh, the Weldons, of course. Yeah, we would have been very known for silver at that time. We always did jewellery, too. Um, but yeah, no, I suppose both Catherine and Grania stood out for being ladies in the industry. Um, and you know I even today for me like when I first came into the the antiques business I originally started off in modern jewelry and uh, specialized in gemology and the identification of gemstones and the grading of diamonds but even then it was super super difficult for me um, in modern days to kind of like break that mold like I would walk into rooms of men um in London when I was grading diamonds or or going to collect packets of diamonds to be graded and they would think that I was there to bring them lunch or to you know bring get tea orders and things like that and I'm like no I'm the gemologist or the diamond grader here to collect the packet of stones you know and it would be like oh Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. But, you know, so it was very difficult as a woman to kind of be taken seriously in the trade or to be seen as having any kind of knowledge. So, like, I really appreciate that about Gronya because that would have been really difficult to do by herself, like open up a business and have men who were going to spend you know, good money with her and actually take her seriously would have been a difficult thing to do. Mm. Well, what I would say to you, Lisa, and what you do fantastically, and I love seeing this, is when you meet a new dealer, right? Uh, usually a man, as you said, because they are. Uh, I don't know if you do this deliberately or if it's uh, just something that you do instinctively, but you'll pick out something that they have and you'll you'll identify something quite specific about it and just tell them like, um, for example, when we met one of our dealers in London who you hadn't met before, you know, we were shown a few bits and very early on you said, oh yeah, they're, they're Edwardian earrings, but the top of reproduction, the stones in the middle look like they've been changed and you nearly had to pick them up off the floor after that. It was brilliant. Um, but, you know, that, that I suppose, got you that, uh, I wouldn't say respect, but it got you the, you know, yeah. I might have got that intuitively, you know what I mean? But I, I think that's so cool. I, lo- I love seeing that happen. It's so <laughs> no, fun. I don't do it in, I don't do it on purpose, but it's something that you, you know, you, you want people to understand that we're, we're sitting here. I want to get it over and done with so that we can actually get down to business. Do you know what I mean? Like you want to get that over and done with. Okay. You understand this now. Don't try and pull the wool over our eyes. We want to actually just get down to business and get the, the, the goods that we want. Don't show me things that you know that I'm not going to be interested in. And you know, for me, it's okay because today 
people move very quickly on from that. They don't go hold on to that and then go, okay, well, she's still a woman, you know, and still keep on going. I think that we're lucky today because we don't have to deal with that. But I think Grania would have had to deal with that and had to prove herself over and over and over again in order to get the respect that she now has. Like that was built over years and not in minutes. And, and I think it's also important to mention that in the antiques trade today, I think you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. There's all sorts. We meet some really interesting characters. But I think fundamentally, and it would have been something that Catherine and Grania were both fundamentally um, focused on is knowledge. And once you have that, I think that can transcend everything. But, um, and I actually will, will play for you. Uh, shortly, I have some uh, excerpts of Catherine actually talking, talking about the knowledge and how she was always learning. And, you know, that's as true today as it was 70, yes. 80 years ago. Yes. Um, and that's one thing, like, as we move from, like, because... Gronje began the shop here in Powers Court Townhouse when Powers Court Townhouse actually turned into a boutique shopping centre for Irish trade. So it wasn't just for antique. We have the antiques gallery here in Powers Court Townhouse, but it was also like beautiful clothing, um, hats and fascinators that are worn for weddings, um, stationaries, uh, food. All of that was in inside Powers Court Townhouse and it opened up in 1981 as this kind of boutique shopping experience that people could come to. Now, you can actually, again, look this up on YouTube and you can see what it looked like in the 1980s. Um, and it would have been an um, incredible experience to come to Powers Court. It, it, it still is because it's such an amazing building. Like it's such a historic, beautiful Georgian house that in and itself coming to Powers Court is a lovely place to come to view. But um, Gronia was is actually one of the only shops or Courtville is one of the only shops left from 1981 that's yes. still trading here 40 years later um and it's s- still this, here yeah and the silver shop next door to us is also one um uh but I think most I'm nearly sure most of the other ones have changed but that video that you mentioned at least about power scores the opening of it that had the then Taoiseach our prime minister if you want to uh uh, what you would call it in English. The dog is literally eating my notes as we speak, if you can hear that in the <laughs> background. <laughs> so, Get it, Esther, get it. Anyway, so so yeah, beautiful Paris Court. So then Corfu moves up to Paris Court. They do run the two shops in parallel to each other for a short period of time. The one in Tipperary Town and the one in, in Paris Court. But eventually, I suppose Dublin being the economic hub, being the capital, you know, Eventually, the business just takes its natural course, I suppose, and the the shop in Tipperary is closed, uh, and it was and it was Power Scourt Townhouse shop was the the one, and then then I think Catherine kind of Grania was getting more into the business, and Catherine kind of let her do her own thing, really. So Grania then specialized in different type of jewelry, Berlin ironwork, which we've mentioned in some of our previous episodes. Um, enamel jewelry which is really one of a, a lost art of jewelry yes and french jewelry i mean Gronje's love for french jewelry 
really actually has now become a taste for many ladies in Ireland, specifically from Grogna's knowledge of French jewellery, teaching people about the Art Nouveau period, the Belle Epoque periods, and people now specifically coming into us and asking us for French jewellery from these eras because of Grogna. And I love that because you would never, ever think that people would gravitate towards these very niche periods of jewellery, but it's it's actually from the knowledge that you gain and yes. being able to see the craftsmanship, appreciating the artistry of it, that, you know, you get a taste for it and you become a collector of it. It's it, which Grana was brilliant at giving life to the pieces and explain like Berlin ironwork, you know, you know, it all that came down to, you know, during during World War uh, One, you a lot of the people in uh, Austria and Germany, they had to give their gold uh, in to fund the war effort. And then they got in you know, the same amount of iron back. And, you know, the, the, the logo on these pieces were gold for iron sort of thing. Uh, for and it was a it was a patriarch uh, not a patriarchal it was a patriotic, patriotic thing yeah um but the, you know the, we've spoken about this in um our other podcasts it was then a badge of honor so yeah. you wore this iron work to show look i've given up my goods for the effort and i'm wearing iron so it kind of showed that you were very patriotic to the country and to its effort to keeping the freedoms that and, it enjoyed Yes, and Grania's knowledge and about this particular topic made it possible for her to deal in these niche kind of uh, items. And we still do Berlin iron. We still try to do enameling, pliquejure, all these uh, interesting old pieces. Um, and again, that kind of story and giving people the history kind of, I think, is fundamental to creating that niche for yourself. I think you have to nearly create that niche and people will come then once you can give them a nice story and the history about it unfortunately um kitten and Gronya are no longer with us yeah and condolences to the the pierce family i know they lost uh catherine kitten pierce very recently so very sorry to hear that two two great women and two great antique dealers um but today courtville i think in a lot of ways is very very similar to how it was based on the principles that it was built and looking into the future we have some plans to to develop it in this modern world uh, so it's, it's a it's a interesting thing antique pieces in a very digital modern world what what are we looking at in the future without giving away any strategic points there at least <laughs> i love how you, you you look at me don't give away any strategic yeah. points um, as if we have any we're just kind of <laughs> buying jewelry we love and trying to you know get it out there there's no there's no master plan really but i think for me what has always been really important about courtville and having said you know that we're, we're moving into the future we still have a bridge from the past we do have um Gronya's stepdaughter sarah who still works with us um, and I love that we still have Sarah with us because Sarah does actually bring a lot of the ethos that Gronya had 
in her business life to us as well. So we we hold on to the past and we bring it into the future with us, um, with Sarah being here as well. But what Courtville really means to us today is we stand on the shoulders of the knowledge of the past. So we didn't have to start from scratch here. We have a legacy to build on. And we do bring it into the future with new and with bright new prospects, um, with knowledge of what we can do to actually bring the knowledge forward to people who have never known about antiques, who don't understand what the enthusiasm for antiques is all about. We have different platforms that we can use now to actually bring the knowledge to them such as the podcast, but we have other uh, mediums that we use as well. Yes, the podcast is a big one, obviously. We have our Instagram account, which is, you know, probably one of our busiest things that we spend a lot of time on. I know you're, you're, people, I've said this before, people must look into the shop and think we're just playing on our phones, but we're actually working. They do. I, I know this is a really funny one, actually, because I get along really well with Jimmy, which is Matthew's um, father. And Jimmy is all about put it in the window. It needs to be in the window. Don't put it back there. And I'm like, yes, Jimmy, but I... I am going to put it out on the window, but I need to take some photographs and send it to the other 10,000 people in the world who want to see it as well. Not that just the 500 people who are walking past the door. Yeah, our Instagram crowd. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It, it is That is essentially now the window is Instagram. It's a digital window. It's a digital window, but um, which I find really funny. You know, Jimmy's always like, you're always on that phone. You're always on that phone. I'm like, Yes, I'm I'm putting something in the window. Just to clarify, <laughs> my dad is not a leprechaun. Um, <laughs> he is kind of. He we love Jimmy. But um anyway, so that is literally one of the ways that we get everything out to everyone. Also, my hands are famous all over the world from it. So you know, mm. there you go. Those old things. <laughs> I always get people coming in going, oh, I know yeah. your hand. I know your hand. I'm like, okay, hi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, funny. And again, talking about how culture and things can transcend generations. When the, So when we get jewelry in, okay, so, and it goes through like a process. First of all, we check it, you know, might go to a workshop to get cleaned. We get it back, you know, then it has to get ticketed and cataloged and then it gets photographed. But I'd be the very same as when the if I see the jewelry in the box waiting to get photographed, I kind of like, come on, we need to get that in the window quickly. It's uh, but obviously, it's just because it's like an immediate reward sort of thing. You get it in the window, you know, it's being marketed. But obviously, you know, it's not right now. But it needs to get photographed. But it will be going up on Instagram very soon. Um, and it is fundamental. And look, we have a great follow on Instagram, and we get lots of interaction, and we really appreciate the comments and the feedback we do get on Instagram. And we got lots of nice stories for our recent series, Treasure Tokens, on Instagram too, which was fantastic. So thank you to everyone for that. I mean, our our following that we have and our clientele that we have, it's so great to actually have a very close relationship with every single one of our clients. And we get to now see a lot of the things that were unseen in the past. Like Grawny would have been a part of a lot of 
people's love stories and family beginnings, you know, but she never got to see what we get to see today. Today we get tagged in photos of weddings. Yeah. We get to see proposals. We get to see like the first child being born. Um, and we're really a part of that story. And we get to see the fruits of our labor with these these couples. That is such a cool thing about us. And yeah. that's what we that's what's really lovely about Instagram is that we actually get to see it. Um, whereas in the past you knew that it happened and you were able to congratulate people, but you never actually got to see it or rarely got to see it. So um, I think that's one thing that social media has definitely opened up is is being an p- actual part of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have our TikTok, which is... Matthew's TikTok. Different kettle of fish again, really. <laughs> he always tries to get me on it, but I'm like, no, 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 Matthew, that's you. Well, the people want to see you on TikTok. They, they don't <laughs> want to see me, that's for sure. For the future, what do we see, Matthew? For the... For the, for the-, for the future, so... I mean, really, and I think one thing is we'll always deal with, you know, honesty, integrity, and I think that's fundamental to anything we do. You know, we want to be very straight to deal with. Um, that's a fundamental thing. Dealing in fine antique jewellery. I, you know, we are going to build our own range of uh, recycled pieces, um, but it's going to, that's really a supplemental thing to our core business, which is the fine antique jewellery, as was my dad always telling me, he says, uh, he says, Matthew, buy N-O-T's. And I was like, N-O-T's? He's like, nice old things. So that's <laughs> It's fun. just because he's a nice old thing. Yeah, well, he's right though, you know, and being innovative in the way that we market it. And I think Grania did that and Catherine did that. I think we will keep doing that. We'd be innovative in the way that we market it whatever platform we have to go on we'll look we'll give it a go and i think those are it i mean there's other things we, we do we knowledge sorry knowledge is the other one always developing our knowledge constantly reading constantly researching constantly in this business and anyone who wants to get into the antique business they might say oh it's very difficult you need a lot of capital to get into it the capital is not the problem the difficulty getting into the antiques business is the knowledge because it takes years and years to get that. And we're very lucky that we had the legacy. We had the culture. And I was very lucky that I'm, I, I my father and my brothers and my sisters and my mom, they could tell me things in a sentence that you might take you years to learn and might cost you a lot of money to learn it. So uh, that to me is the con. They're the pillars of what we're going to do going forward. And uh, look, we're very excited to get stuck into it. I think... Going into the future, an awareness of our climate, of what's going on currently. Obviously, we've had to adapt a lot in the past year because of the restrictions and everything that's happened with COVID. And it really has changed Courtville as a business significantly over the past uh, over the past year. We've definitely become a digital company as well as a shop. So we've basically opened up another, a full other business off the back of Courtville during this past year. Um, so that will continue to develop and grow as well. Our digital hub will continue to grow and the things that we're able to bring to our international clientele will continue to grow, especially through our website, 
with the podcast, our Instagram, and of course, fairs. Fairs is where we started and fairs are where we're going to continue to go. We want to be able to bring our unique pieces to people all over the world, not just here in Ireland. And we want you to be able to see the amazing things that we've been able to curate for you. Um, most importantly for me is I, I grew up not around a lot of antique pieces. And when I did get exposed to antique pieces, it was daunting because, you know, some of the pieces can be quite expensive and, you know, not everybody has a large budget to play with when we're talking about fine quality jewelry. But we want to be able to bring beautiful antique quality pieces to everybody from all walks of life. We want everybody to be able to have the opportunity to own something beautiful that is specifically for them and is a one-off piece. So for me and for you, it's really important that everybody understands that you don't have to have a very large budget to own a beautiful antique piece of jewelry. And we want you to be able to see that through our Instagram and website. So we do have pieces that, you know, range from 50 euros all the way up to the hundreds of thousands and everything in between. So there'll be something there for everybody. Also, most importantly, yes, you know that you're going to get expert expertise from us. We are going to be able to tell you the difference between your jewel and something else. We're going to be very transparent with you. The pieces are going to be sustainable, but also what always comes down to is the service that we can provide to clients. And that's super important. It was important to the Pierce family and we carry that legacy on today customer service and our relationship with you will always be paramount to us so we're going to wrap it up there um look we're really looking forward to the next few months and years and we have loads of ideas um coming up especially for the podcast and for for, and for other ideas online and in store and so so watch this space for sure at least thank you for today uh I know this is your day off, so I really appreciate you coming in. You're welcome. And thank you to our producer, Ross. Ross, thank you very much. Thanks to Esther, our canine department, for being here today. If you heard any. But most of all, thank you to everyone who was listening today. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And also our newsletter, which if if you go into our website, courtville.ie, you can sign up to our newsletter there. Otherwise, I look forward to chatting to you all very soon. And I'm going to leave you with some wise words from Catherine Pierce herself. In the antique business, is different to everything else. You have to turn everything literally upside down and inside out to make sure you're selling the right, the right thing. thing. I liked to do jewellery that was unusual, mm-hmm. not the, not your, your average thing. Yeah. That, yeah, well, she can get that anywhere. He wanted to do the other stuff. Yeah, always like to have something 
that had a little bit of interest in it and mm -hmm. that they could look at it, maybe take it home and see how it went with what they had and in that business. You must be honest. Absolutely. And I was always honest and I had that to say for myself. I had a good eye and um, fortunately for, for myself, I was able to read well Thank and you. I knew where to go to get things and, you know, things like that helped me. Mm -hmm. No, of many people now who, who are good at, 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 at this kind of thing, mm -hmm. you can tell them we have a lovely shop. I will, I will, for sure. And they're welcome to come in and look at everything, try it on. If you don't like it, roll it up and take it back. I loved what I was doing, so it was, it was like, if you, if you like doing something, you'll go and do it.